Welcome and bienvenue. Welcome. Welcome back to Context Clues and to Unit 4. To those of you who completed the meeting with the instructor assignment, thank you. We'll be going back to regular office hours now, so feel free to pop in on Tuesday mornings or, if you need to schedule a chat outside of those times, shoot me a message or email including your availability for two different days and I'll get back to you with the time and a Zoom link. For this unit, we're watching Anna Devere Smith's Twilight Los Angeles 1992. It's a piece of theater that's very likely unlike anything you've ever seen, and it comes out of a couple of rich performance traditions that I'm really excited to share with you. Before we dig in, I do want to reiterate that you really do need to watch the content warnings Flipgrid for this particular play before you watch the play itself, as it gives both content warnings and some explanations for how I'm sharing this particular piece with you. In art of any kind, you'll often hear people talking about form and function. These categories address different aspects of the art. Form has to do with the structure of the piece of art, the container in which it operates. In painting, the form might be pointillism or expressionism, oils or acrylics. In theater, the form might be contemporary realism or musical comedy, a three-act structure or a solo show. Function is about what the piece of art is trying to do, to entertain, to challenge, to inspire, to creep out. The common wisdom is that form and function can or do or should work together. For example, a lot of queer and feminist performance traditions, especially in the 70s through the 90s, centered non-realistic and avant-garde performance traditions, not just because they were different from the Broadway theaters those movements were reacting to, but because the creators believed that because real life was so often sexist and cis-sexist and homophobic and racist, realism couldn't possibly be a part of imagining a better world without those things. Hold on to this idea of form and function as you watch Twilight Los Angeles 1992. It's going to be a part of your discussion post. For now, though, I say all of that to say that I want to align the form and function of this play to two different performance traditions. Like pretty much all binaries, this is a major oversimplification, but just roll with it, okay? I keep rolling on. Smith is an American playwright and performer best known for her incredible solo performances like Twilight Los Angeles 1992 about the turmoil around the Rodney King case in Los Angeles and Fires in the Mirror, Crown Heights, Brooklyn, and Other Identities about a 1991 conflict between the black and Jewish communities in Crown Heights. We'll deep dive into her career and process more next week, but for now what you need to know is that she goes into a community soon after a major event, for example, police beat Rodney King in 1991, the trials of those police officers were in 1992, and Twilight Los Angeles premiered in 1993, and interviews a ton of people, people on every possible side of an issue. In her performances, she recreates each person as exactly as possible, not only saying their exact words, but breathing when they breathe, using their nonverbals, all the mms and ahs and weird little mouth sounds humans make, and their physical vocabulary. As much as her own body and voice allows, she becomes these people. Vincent Cunningham's August 2020 article in The New Yorker explains her process. Quote, Editing is key to Smith's art. She makes distant worldviews sometimes painfully proximate. Voices come in concert, if not always in conversation. They differ in timber, perhaps, but Smith places them so precisely that their parallels in attitude or style or content become apparent. When her people contradict one another directly, in succession, the collision clears the way for epiphany. 
Smith's plays take pluralism as a given, but subtly synthesize it into a unified whole. Another way to say this is that Smith delivers in art what America has chronically failed to in practice. End quote. If you want to read the whole article, it's linked in the transcript. The function of Smith's productions, in addition to entertainment, which they are, her performances are incredibly virtuosic, is that of theater for social change, inviting empathy and communication in contexts and around issues where people often stop listening, insisting on complexity in narratives that are often oversimplified. Theater for social change has a long history. One could argue that Greek theater intended social change, or that medieval mystery plays aimed at inspiring devotion intending social change, but when most people talk about theater for social change, they are gesturing at a field sometimes referred to as applied drama or applied theater. This is theater not created to be performed at people, but theater created and or performed with people in a specific community, with the goal of improving something in that community or for those people. Sometimes, like with Smith's work, this kind of theater ends in a product, a kind of play that can be picked up and performed elsewhere. Often, this is a process-focused sort of theater that never ends up generating a final product. We don't have time to get into the whole history of applied theater. There are whole books that do so. The one by Helen Nicholson is my favorite. But I do want to share both a historical and contemporary resource with you. Almost any book, article, podcast, or whatever about theater for social change is likely to trace significant portions of the movement back to someone named Augusto Boal. Boal, a Brazilian theater maker, created the Theater of the Oppressed, a form of theater intended to help people rehearse the revolution, trying on solutions to problems in ways similar to large-scale, community-wide versions of the sorts of role-playing exercises sometimes done in therapeutic settings. Later in life, he created the Rainbow of Desire, a type of theater that took aim at internalized oppression Boal referred to as the cop in the head. For more information, we're going to watch part of a Crash Course video. Check it out, fill out your engagement tracker, and come back. Boal's work still has major influences on contemporary theater, especially theater for social change. Lots of groups who work with young people, for example, still use forum theater as a way of helping young people rehearse solutions for problems they face. At my former institution, a theater troupe was part of the on-campus bystander intervention training, using some theater of the oppressed techniques to talk about working to prevent assault and discrimination on campus. There are all kinds of theaters for social change. El Teatro Campesino began operating in the mid-1960s, performing actors, short skits, for migrant farm workers in the back of trucks to encourage worker solidarity. Theaters like Cornerstone and Appalachian Company work with locals to create art. There are tons of youth theaters that operate the same way. Rodessa Jones' The Medea Project, Theater for Incarcerated Women, works with women in prison to create original pieces that share their stories. As a snippet of the kinds of theater for social change happening in the U.S. today, I'm sending you to check out the American Theater's 2014-2015 article highlighting 14 theater makers trying to change the world through theater. Go check out the article, answer the engagement tracker questions, and then come back. Into fire we are hurled. Why don't we change the world? Come on, 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 come on. If theater for social change is, at least part of, the function of Twilight Los Angeles 1992, what is the form? It has a few different names. The larger category to which Smith's work belongs is documentary theater, sometimes referred to as docudrama. 
This kind of theater is exactly what it sounds like, theater drawing from real-world sources to share information rather than to offer an entertaining plot or any of the other many reasons people create theater around fictional circumstances. Documentary theater has shifted and evolved over the last century in some really interesting ways. To learn more about them, you're going to read American Theater's Brief History of Documentary Theater. Check it out, answer the questions, and then come back. Ready, go! Enter me! He says in parentheses. Don't be shocked when your history book mentions me! The article suggests that documentary theater, verbatim theater, ethnographic theater, etc. are interchangeable terms. In reality, it's a squares and rectangles sort of situation. All verbatim theater is documentary theater, but not all documentary theater fits most common definitions of verbatim theater. Verbatim theater is the specific kind that Anna Devere Smith uses to create Twilight Los Angeles. If you're familiar with the Laramie Project, created by Moises Kaufman and the Tectonic Theater Project, it's also a well-known American verbatim theater piece. To learn a little more about verbatim theater, and to think about how some of this theater operates outside the U.S., you're going to check out a video interviewing several British verbatim theater creators about their craft. I'll catch you back here when you're finished. Insert appropriate song or audio clip here. Excellent. Now you have more information about the context in which Smith's play is operating artistically, and the content warning gave you more information about, well, the content. That means it's time to watch a play. As a reminder, you can watch the play in shorter chunks in your engagement tracker, with moments of on-screen violence removed, or you can choose to search for the full version in the PBS Great Performances series. Either way, you'll view the play, answer the questions about it, and then come back here. And that's Twilight Los Angeles. This whole engagement tracker is due Saturday at midnight, but Wednesday you have a discussion post, so let's talk through what that looks like. Question one for three points. What was it like watching the play? What did it mean to you to know that these were words someone really said about something they really experienced? Think about form and function. How did the form serve the function of the play? How did watching all these different thoughts and voices and opinions through one person's body and voice affect your experience versus watching lots of different people play the different parts? Question two for three points. It's important to note that, while documentary theater is potentially more grounded in reality than other scripted drama, that doesn't mean it's objective. Creators make choices about whose voices are highlighted, how much of their stories are used, what stories they're juxtaposed against. This is important to remember because it's easy to think that something being real means it's truth, but it's also important to remember because just because a creator includes someone's voice doesn't mean they're co-signing their actions or point of view. How did Smith's editing shape the narrative? Do you think that the play ultimately offered a particular argument or point of view or painted some characters as more justified or sympathetic than others? And finally, offer a discussion question for your peers about the play for one point. I also want to remind you that there are larger discussion sections further down the forum, so if you have things you want to chat about with the broader class, about this play, about other things we've watched, about whatever, as long as it's within the course guidelines of mutual respect, there are spaces for that. You'll be getting information about your final project before long, so if you haven't invested at least a little time in interacting with other folks in class, this is a great time to start doing that. I'm looking forward to hearing your thoughts on the play, and I'm extra excited for your production role engagements next week. As a heads up, they're going to have more of a hands-on component than anything we've played with yet, so do your best to check them out early in the week to give yourself time to think. 
It shouldn't be a bigger time commitment to actually do the work than usual, but you'll need to be able to put a bit of planning into arranging the work. Keep an eye out for videos and messages from me this week as I finish synthesizing information from my chats with y'all, and I'll see you for production role engagements next week. Bye!